welcome to the Ladies Who London podcast. How are you, listeners? I hope you're well. Uh, I'm back. It's Alex here. Hey, and it's Fiona. Hello. Hello. Hey, we haven't dubbed her yet. <laughs> She's I'm clinging on. I'm clinging on. <laughs> I'm wondering if we should do a should do a little um, opener like like Emily and I used to do. I wonder if we should do that. I don't know. Maybe we should. It does we feel should. like it does feel like there's a. It'd be nice to have a sort of formal. Mm. Like it needs something, maybe. Yeah. Uh, at yeah. the start. We can work know. on that. We'll work on that. We'll work on that. Anyway, um, how are you this week? I'm good. I'm good. Yes, busy. It's nice. oh, so a beautiful, beautiful day on whichever day it was. Monday. Uh, yeah, Monday. Blue sky. Picture perfect. The light was lovely. It was warm. And then yesterday, really quite grey and cold and windy. And it was like, well, how, what are you doing, London? <laughs> I've, I've just put my winter coat. I've I thought, mean, OK, I'm done. With that's winter. April. That's April, isn't it, really? Actually, here yeah. yesterday in Hampshire, we had the lovely day. So ah. we obviously switched over. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Mm. Fair enough. It is lovely. When it's lovely, oh, it's so lovely. Yeah. And it's so beautiful at this time of year. Yeah, you know, and the light and the things. So, in fact, yesterday I went. I had a, a visit from a friend who is a friend of the podcast, Susie Waddell, who does our or used uh, to do. We haven't we haven't used. Um, we might have to get her to do something else. Another sting for us. Yeah. Um we used to have her as our voice of podcast pedestal and um, and all of that as well. So, um, yeah, she came down to visit me, and so we had a lovely day um, walking slowly around Alton. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was rather nice. Very good. And on that note, I should say um, thank you so much to everyone who got in touch with your well wishes um, after uh, my cancer news last week. Um, I really appreciate it. I haven't been able to respond to everybody yet, uh, but I will. Um, it's just I'm very tired and get, <laughs> I haven't got the brain space for too much, but I will get I will get around to you. But thank you so, so much. Um, I had a meeting with the surgeon on Monday. He's very happy with how it went. I'll need six months of chemo. So that's where we're at. Um, but yeah. So thank you all so much for your lovely messages. Um, it, it meant a lot. And yeah, like I, like I said last week, I wasn't sure if I need, if I should share the news with you, but it kind of felt right. So um, at least you're all in the know. And if I disappear randomly, <laughs> you'll know why. Because <laughs> um, I'm off being, uh, I don't know, injected with all sorts of stuff. But anyway. Uh, but that's it. So, um, any uh, any other kind of parish notices or, or messages from anyone? I don't think. Well, lots of lots of comments from from last week's episode. My favourite came from uh, Lavinia, who said "roaring romp." Which <laughs> that, that should be our target. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed Mark Up first. Uh, I, I, she's just brilliant. And this is the thing I love about this pod is that we find out so much more about some really interesting people. And again, she's coming on the Fantasy Girls Night Out, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, heavens, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Her and a, and a whole yeah. heap of the 40, 40 I... elephants. And... <laughs> it's it's going to be a riot and we're going to get into serious trouble. But... <laughs> Yes. And I was just yeah, instantly now picturing uh her with the person that I'm mostly talking about today in a room and, and, and various other like my my room my yeah, I've got a room full of people now. I'm thinking, who are all these people? How will they get on? I guess I was gonna say I'd love to see how they all interact and they're like, You did what? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. so on that note, who are we talking about this week? Well, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave you slightly in suspense a little longer and tell you first how I was inspired 
to talk about her because um, I was at uh, Cricklewood Railway Station the other day, waiting for a train, as you do. And on the... Um, there's a, there's a big mural as you walk up the kind of the the ramp towards the platform, and then there's another mural on the platform, and so I thought, oh, I'm going to go and look at that, and it is um, it's graphics, it's just letters, and it spells out Queen of the Air. Oh, and I thought, oh, that's nice, and I thought, well, it must be related to the other plaque, the the mural on the on the ramp which is all about Handley Page, who were quite a big um, employer in Cricklewood. And um, I didn't realise when I was growing up quite nearby that Cricklewood had an airfield and they had some of the first international flights out of London took off from Cricklewood. Really? Yeah. Of all places. Also, just just pausing for a moment to just really enjoy the name Cricklewood. Yes. It's a great so... name. I've always thought this. I've always like it sounds it sounds like a sort of slightly mysterious little village and cricklewood and there's like elves and fairies and nymphs. And actually it's just Fiona tarting around looking at holes in walls and things like that. Well, I was gonna say, for anyone who is not kind of local to London, let's let's just explain a little bit of context. Cricklewood is um about uh well, it's northwest London. Mm-hmm. If you from from the Tyburn tree where the executions were at Marble Arch, if you go in a straight line up the A5, the Roman road that just goes straight out of London, about 20 minutes, half an hour, you go through Kilburn and you arrive in Cricklewood. And it's it's where sort of Edwardian, it's, it's London as at the edge of London in about 1920. So it's right. just between big red brick Edwardian houses and semi-detached suburban London. It's sort of the bottom edge of Metroland, just about, if anyone knows that, but sort of big suburbs that expanded in the 20s. Mm-hmm. And it's, I like it. I, you know, I grew up nearby and it's things, but it's not, it's not a swanky neighbourhood. It's not <laughs> glamorous. It's not where you think of people doing international travel to Paris and things. Um, but it turns out, actually, the, there was a very practical reason why there was an airfield here, because Hanley Page made aeroplanes. They were the first public company in Britain to, to manufacture aeroplanes. Right. And once you've made an aeroplane, what do you do with it? You have to deliver it to someone. Yeah. And you don't put it on a lorry to deliver it. <laughs> that would be mad. So you've got you... an inbuilt delivery system on these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you need an airfield to take off from. So they built the, the airfield so they could just take off with their planes to deliver them to to you know the the purchasers and then it made sense to have flights so um 1919 they launched Hanley Plains Airlines which was the second British airline and um they did offer flights international flights from Crookwood but they um the only outbound customs was in Hounslow Brilliant. so passengers had to be collected from Hounslow which is quite a lot further west yeah. in London so <laughs> Maybe, you know, it, it wasn't a brilliant success. I don't and know. For those who don't know Hounslow, that is pretty much it's, Heathrow. It's Heathrow. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then 1924, so only about five years later, they get amalgamated with the couple of other airlines that exist and become Imperial Airlines, which is British Airways, right. kind of early days. And then they were moved down to Croydon, which was a bigger airfield. So 
Cricklewood airfield had this little sort of, from 1912 to 1929, Cricklewood had an airfield with Brilliant. international flights. Is it still there? So, no, no, no. <laughs> it's um, housing now. Of course. If you look on the map, there is a quite a distinctive sort of oval-shaped couple of streets um, of, of housing, which is where the airfield was. So it's easy to find, but uh, but but gone. So I assumed, firstly, that the Queen of the Air was related to the airfield. Um, yes. But I think probably not, actually, oh. because she got her pilot's licence in 1929, just as the uh, the airfield closed down. Ah, oh, um, so they're just uh, adopting her. Yeah. Mm. So the Queen of the Air lived nearby in Cricklewood, um, and she was Amy Johnson. Ah, now, this is yeah. a, good, a good topic. <laughs> and I have to admit, I in the past have sometimes confused my mm. female pilots of the early years. So I thought, right, when I saw her, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I didn't know she was local to here and I'm going to go and look her up properly and get my head around uh, what she did. And the first bit of sort of headline news about what she did, she was the first woman to fly solo to London to Australia. Yeah. That was her groundbreaking kind of thing in, in Which, 19... I mean, is so impressive. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And hundred years ago, it's it's incredible. The 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 kind of the context of how she did it as well is mm. is sort of extraordinary as well. So she wanted to break the the record, which was thirteen days. That was her target, and that's why she was sort of inspired to 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 do it. It we'll come back to why it didn't quite work a bit more later on, but she landed in um, India during the monsoon. And, ah, it's not going to uh, help. <laughs> didn't help. And and her plane was was damaged. And she said later, she said, it took, it took 10 men and me two whole days and nights to put old Jason back together again. <laughs> and now uh, is this, is this a, an assumed voice for her? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, noticed, I noticed you're recycling your queen impression right there. <laughs> well, that's the trouble. It can slide a little bit easily into the queen, <laughs> but I did, I listened. And what is lovely is there are quite a lot of clips of her mm. talking that you can hear. And there's something so so much richer if you can hear someone as well yeah. as read about them Absolutely. it's just fabulous and there's quite a difference in her accent as well and I, I got a bit fixated by her accent <laughs> and there's bits where it's quite like the Queen but it's also interesting it changes quite a bit between really? the different recordings so I think she kind she of got a bit cricklewood at times oh no 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 <laughs> I think it's it, what she's got is a, I suspect is a okay so let, let's backtrack uh, she was born in Hull in 1903 and Yay! i think what creeps out in her in her accent more so the early recordings is is hull yeah and she's got a, quite an odd um her a sound is quite I, I did i did a little bit of linguistics when i was at university and i quite like accents and things so i find it quite interesting um but she was born her her father was a fishmonger it was a, a fish import export business mm -hmm. um had one one of her couple of generations back had been uh, mayor of Hull so you know um I think uh, uh, uh decently you know, decently placed decent, decently say, placed family yeah. yeah absolutely um so she was born 1903 in the summer I think July but summertime um and the Wright brothers who do the first heavier than air flight mm. do their flight that is the 17th of December 1903 wow so she is six months old 
as the very first plane takes I love, off. I love it flies. when things like that are put into context and you go, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, just real, a little scrawly baby going, Rah! Um, But she she grows up in Hull, she does school and things, she goes to uh, studies economics at Sheffield University, which I didn't do economics, but I was at Sheffield. I was at Hull, so there we go. ah, There you go. Yeah, I I was just, when you you squeaked earlier, I thought, now is that, you're not, you're not from Hull, but you must have a Hull connection. No, I I went to uni there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, She comes down to London, she's working as a secretary, and um, she kind of... I think just one day goes goes past near uh, an airfield, a bit further north, Edgeware, uh, Stag Lane Airfield, mm-hmm. and she kind of sees the biplanes there, and she's like, "Oh, oh, that's oh, I wonder." So she starts learning to fly as a hobby, uh, effectively, and she gets her license in July nineteen twenty nine. Gosh. Now, what, also the... do we do we know what what the sort of situation here is with women getting flying licenses? Intriguingly, that doesn't. I the, the stuff I was reading, it didn't didn't kind of say that that in itself was particularly unusual. Particularly unusual. I think what was unusual is that it was quite an expensive business, right? Flying, yeah. and we'll mm. come back to this in a moment. So, quite a lot of the people who were flying are aristocratic people who have got the time and the money uh, to do it. still the same now, isn't it, really? Well, it. Yeah. So the fact that she's doing this as a part-time thing along, you know, she's working and she's she's doing it in her spare time is, is the thing. She also is, is the first woman to get her C licence, which is the sort of ground crew technical oh. thing. Okay. So that's, it, it, I think, shows a sort of um, a thoroughness about her that she's not just going to do the flying she's she's going to do the you know how it all works as well the nuts and bolts and things um and before she set off to go to australia her longest flight that she'd done was from london to hull (laughs) you know it it, it's quite a lot shorter than australia Um, slightly (laughs) yeah and so um one of the things she had to do, she 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 reads about somebody who set the record uh, going to Australia, and she's kind of obsessed with this. And she said, um, "You know, I was I was I was so interested in this, but the money, so much money was needed. How could I find hundreds of pounds to to do this?" And in the end, she she gets some from her father, okay. and some from someone who becomes sort of a little bit of a patron, almost a man called Lord Wakefield who was a, a businessman and philanthropist and actually Lord Mayor of London at one point. Um, and so she she manages to raise the money and then she says, now the rush begins to race against the monsoons. Can I get through before they break? In my diary, 9th of uh, May the 5th is ringed in red as the last day that I can make a start. In breathless haste, I arrange my petrol and oil supplies, maps, tools and kit. 10 days before I'm due to do, due to start, I haven't an (laughs) aeroplane. Then I am introduced to Jason, a very ordinary machine, but now a dear and valued friend. Does she name him Jason or is he already named Jason? She named him Jason. Um, And it is something to do with the logo of her father's fish business. Oh, lovely. Um, So... And Jason is a is a, a bi biplane, mm. um, so they're sort of with with two sets of wings, kind of above and below each other, and the kind of struts holding it together, and and a single propeller, 
I think he's a he's a second hand Tavlon gypsy moth. Yeah. Um, and you look at pictures, and he's just so tiny and things. And I get exactly the same thing that I think when I see look at the golden hind, mm. and you put, compare the golden hind with the, like HMS Belfast, even the other big ships nowadays. You just think. The, the people who set off around the world, not quite knowing where they were going in those days, in these tiny, tiny yes. little ships. And it's it just seems like madness yeah. in a way. It's so, so much bravado. I know. It's mad. Yeah. So whenever I walk past the Golden Hind, I've had people say, but surely Francis Drake didn't sail the high seas in that. In that. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I know. And you sort of think it's not, you, you get one big wave and you're absolutely stuffed. It's just, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I've had meals bigger than the uh, than the Golden Hind. It's, it's uh, you know crazy. Yeah, um, and she also she because she wanted to go the fastest route. She she just drew a straight line on the map, as you would yeah. of where you go, and it took her over some quite inhospitable terrain and things like that. And you think nowadays you fly, you don't really worry so much about what's underneath you because you're confident you're going to stay in the air. Yeah. In those days, or they, I don't know, because you still sort of fly a little bit based on geopolitics, don't you? Like well, if there's some dodgy so. stuff going on in a in a country that you you know you want to avoid, you you do go around the edge. Around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, but um, yeah, so so uh, she's she's got her route and she's got her plane and off she sets. Um, and she gets to, I think she gets to Iraq in six days. Okay, and that's the point at which the media start going oh. Oh, hang on, interesting. Oh, this is, oh, you know, so that then then there's a bit more attention kind of on her. She carries on, carries on, and um and, and stopping to refuel. So she mm. can't change her route because there's fuel sort of depots, you know, right. fuel arranged for her at certain places and things. And she doesn't make it through before the monsoons hit. Uh. This is the uh this is the problem. So she they land in India and um Jason how did she describe it? He 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 goes into something. He goes into a hedge or something like this, and is is damaged, and um, has to. They they spend two whole days, her and ten men, putting him back together again, <laughs> with the repairs from a shirt, which was a shirt which had been made out of a plane. So a, a First what? World War era plane had I don't know died, crashed nearby, and the material from that had been kind of ripped up and made into shirts. Ah, waste not, want not, hey? So now, perfect opportunity to gather this shirt material back up and use it to repair her plane with. Oh, um, so she she sets off again. But that the delay over that means that she doesn't get the record. But she gets to Australia in 19 days. And Impressive. I'd say the first first woman to to fly solo to do that and becomes gets a huge welcome in Australia and becomes you know sort of big celebrity and things. She um, comes back to Britain and and um, I couldn't find any record of that she'd actually done this tour, but there is a bit of a clip of her talking about a tour she's going to do around Britain, basically inspiring other people to to learn flying. This is the most fabulous thing. And and she sort of says, you know, I'm going to be doing these talks. And if you want to come and up, ask, ask me any questions about, you know, if I can be any help to you in encouraging you and like helping you to learn to fly, it's such a good thing. It's going to be so good for the youth of Britain. And for Britain, it's such a fabulous thing and stuff. Really kind of interesting. I mean, I've, I've got um, a friend who works in sort of, you know, promoting sciences and 
things in mm. educational terms. And it sounds exactly so much like that same message, um, mm. kind of all these years on and things. And then she carries on and does um, various other um, sort of long distance flights that set records. She flies to to Moscow at some point. Um, she sets, uh, a, she's the first, uh, well, she sets a record from London to Cape Town. Um, mm-hmm. She also gets married. She she marries a, another pilot and they were <laughs> flying somewhere together. Uh, and eight hours after they met, he proposed. <laughs> Fantastic, isn't it? I love it. Didn't she meet him when she <laughs> fell into his arms or something, crashed and, and is, oh, is that her? Maybe it's not. I have this oh. story in my head about crashing somewhere and he helped her and then they did this flight. I might be wrong, but someone else, but. Yeah, it's um, it, it might well be. Um wonderfully romantic. yeah they they were they were known in the press as the flying sweethearts and oh. you know they did some long distance flights together um she did other stuff solo stuff um and um but she she also realized that flying kind of wasn't a sustainable career in mm. a way so she started modeling um Brilliant. and i'm i'm sure you know some of the celebrity attention and the the way the reason the press loved her is because she was very photogenic and mm. things but what i love actually if you look at photos there are some photos of her looking very glamorous and and you know ladies started going into the hairdresser saying i want a johnson wave you know <laughs> yeah. she's got this lovely sort of um uh what is it there's there's a word for the sort of curls um the finger waves i think sort of finger waves exactly it's quite close cropped yeah um and there's there's so there's those photos but there's also photos of her um you know looking a little bit more disheveled Mm. and like her hair's flying off at a weird angle in the in the wind and things and um you know and and ones of her standing by a plane in sort of sturdy trousers and a, and a sort of sensible shirt and and things so so there's a sort of whole mixture of different images that we get of yeah. her and I quite like that she kind of um fills all those possibilities um but she also starts um designing bags and things um Brilliant. and that feels in a way like quite a modern thing like oh I'm a celebrity now I shall design a handbag yeah. <laughs> you know but it makes perfect sense bring out was... a biography and all of that yeah yeah um <laughs> And and you know travel bags, so sensible bags for women to travel I mean, with. It's on brand. It's on brand. It's probably a very practical thing because, you know, I suspect women do want different bags to men. Yeah. You know, so that's all good. And she she was working for a sort of aviation business, flying flying regular flights over the. Uh, the Solent and things like that. Um, and then she also, in the run-up to war, the Second World War, she was sort of employed to fly around over the channel so that searchlight batteries could practice finding her in the sky. <laughs> Amazing! <laughs> Slightly worrying, searchlight batteries and aircraft gun, anti-aircraft gun. Oh, right, yeah. Okay. So, so presumably they weren't firing at her, they were just practicing finding her. Um, so that's all good. But when the Second World War breaks out, all the planes are requisitioned effectively. So she's um, made redundant from that job. And not surprisingly, way signs up with the Air Transport Auxiliary, mm. um, 
Now, have you have you talked about them before on the pod? I feel um, like I'm pretty sure we have. We we definitely we had our Spitfire sisters. Um, yeah. So that might be where we it... did. I did talk about Mary Ellis, but I feel like maybe that was on Global Tea Break and not on the podcast. But essentially, the the method of of I mean, basically, where where it was all, not entirely, but very almost exclusively women who. Mm. essentially delivered the planes from the factories to the airfields and um you know they'd turn up they didn't know what they were flying that day and they were just like oh get in that one and, and take it there and and a great story and- about mary ellis where she she got to one of the um the airfields and she got out of the, the cockpit and they had to get a chit sign to so that people knew yeah. that 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 you know it had been delivered. It was delivered and she got out she and all these men were standing around looking at the plane and she said oh can i can i go and get the chit sign and they were like no we're just waiting for the pilot to come out and she was like i'm the pilot and they didn't believe her and they had to go yeah. and have a look to check before they would go and sign it so yeah there was it, it, a lot this is what a, a lot of people the people are like oh women didn't fly spitfires they damn well did they just didn't do it on the front line um, yeah. yeah, and and also though, so it seemed like from something I was reading that that you know some of the planes they hadn't quite finished making them yet yes. in some ways. So not all of the dials were in. They no. didn't have they didn't have the radios. They certainly weren't allowed to use the radio yep. or whatever because they were also flying, flying blind. Kind of, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, absolutely, kind of unsung heroes. dangerous. Of... And I think there's a lot of women who who died doing doing that because, like mm. you say, the, sometimes the planes weren't quite. 100% functional and of course they're still flying you know um in airspace that is being used by the enemy and sometimes at night and so it was incredibly dangerous yeah yeah absolutely so so she was that's what she was uh doing at the sort of um beginning of the war um and sadly you know only at the beginning of the war um because january 1941 she was delivering a plane from due to be from Blackpool to uh, Oxford mm. when um, it seems like she maybe ran out of fuel or something, but but crashed in the kind of the Thames estuary near Hearn Bay in Kent. And the first thing you think about that as well, is that That's... between Blackpool and Oxford? No, it's not. That's mm. off, off course. So it was quite bad weather. Well, it was very bad weather so maybe maybe that but there's various things about this crash and her death that are slightly unexplained and therefore lots of kind of possible conspiracy not conspiracy theories but but theories um so a plane was seen going down and a parachute was seen by a ship and they went off to kind of set off to, to rescue and they think they might have seen two bodies in the water or like one one person waving someone in a helmet and a high-pitched voice waving and shouting for help and also another body and so who if there was another person who was that other person that's a sort of question mm. there's there's theories therefore that maybe she was on some sort of secret mission mm. or you know stuff a second operation mincemate war oh, yeah <laughs> yeah um so the captain of the ship um lieutenant colonel commander walter fletcher dives in to try and rescue them and makes it to to either a bit of debris or another the other body or whatever and then is kind of overcome by the cold and then he's sort of fished out okay, but dies a few days later from the the kind of you know oh. hypothermia or whatever. Um, and neither, no sign of Amy Johnson's body or this other body. Her 
her sort of waterproof bag with her logbook and her diary and things wash up a few days later. So we know that it was her plane, but there's all these other circumstances a bit hazy, um, including some one suggestion that someone that it might have been friendly fire, that someone uh, nearby had um, contacted a plane and they'd failed twice to give the correct code. So they were shot at. And then, you know, a day later, they read in the news that Amy Johnson's plane has crashed or whatever. And he was like, oh, no. What? But I, other people say, well, yeah, OK, but that where he was stationed, that's quite a long way away from where she was. So does that make sense? Um, all these different things. There is um, in 2013, a possible answer came to light um, in a Doctor Who comic <laughs> uh, called a uh, uh, one called a wing and a prayer was the story title and it's it's doctor who with clara oswald as companion and uh there's a thing that according to the doctor amy johnson's death is a fixed point in time so she has to be seen to die for us yeah. you know for the rest of the world but um as long as she as long as we think she's died then that fixed point in time is preserved so it's so clara says but that's okay we can save her and we can take her somewhere else so perhaps she was <laughs> saved by dr <laughs> and clara and taken to the planet cornucopia oh yes naturally naturally yeah. naturally um so i think that clarifies that yeah i think so you know so um <laughs> so actually oh i'm just doing some quick maths 30 she was 38 right uh when she died and, you know, one of those just you think, well, what what else would she have done? What she, would she have achieved done in later life? And, yeah. things? and in a way, you know, she achieved so much anyway. And there is that slight thing that if someone has, a, you know, sort of mysterious death or I mean, it, people dying in plane crashes is a thing that makes them more famous than they would otherwise be somehow. Mm -hmm. At times, you know, there's a few sort of examples you could think of. And what would be what I think is good is that we remember what she did when she was alive rather yeah. than, you know, she 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 was very glamorous at times um, and all these things that she did when she was alive. So um, in a way, yeah. we sort of we start her story with, you know, she she was the first woman to do this, that and the other. Whereas often with Buddy Holly, you start with, well, he died in a plane crash and go from there. Yeah. Um, and uh, not that, but, you know, I'm a massive Buddy Holly fan, so I'm not saying anything bad about him. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, with Amy Johnson, that 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 bit kind of comes later. And you, it's she, very much yeah. the, this is what she did. And yeah. 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 And, I, and I suppose also because it was a thing that came as a result of her work. Like, mm, yeah. you know, Buddy Holly was, was travelling, whereas yeah. she was flying planes day in, day out and during the war. And, you know, so there is a, a much higher level of risk, obviously, mm. attached to that. So it, it shouldn't be such a, a sort of shock in a way. Um, but she... Um... eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, uh, she's got a couple of statues. Um, 
she's got well well in terms of london as well um jason her plane mm-hmm. is at the science museum is he oh i didn't know mm-hmm. that he is and not only that, he's in the flight gallery, which is way up the top of the museum, and is always completely empty. I love the flight gallery. And it's just, you just go out there, you're like, oh my god, all this stuff. And other notable planes, my mind has now gone entirely blank. Um... <laughs> well, the right, the Wright brothers um, plane, but I yes, don't know if that's one of. I'm having a blank. But, I feel like it must be. There's yes, Spitfires in there. I think there are, yeah. And, but for, for I used to do a regular walk around South Kensington and every time I would say, oh, and, you know, one of the things you can see in the Science Museum is Amy Johnson's De Havilland Gypsy Moth. I didn't know he was called Jason. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> That's how, great, How it? much happier would I have been saying, Jason, go and see Jason. Yeah. The... <laughs> go and say hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she has uh, she has some blue plaques. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, she has one in in Cricklewood, one somewhere else, and a green one in Princess Risborough as well. So three places where she lived, she's got plaques. Nice. Uh, she had a memorial service in St Martin in the Fields in Trafalgar okay. Square, um, and she's commemorated on the Air Force's memorial in Runnymede. Um, yes. Uh, so those are the sort of commemorative things in a way that that. You know, around and about. Um, but there's a there's a 1974 statue uh, of her in Prospect Street in Hull. Yes, I remember seeing that actually. Okay. Oh, yes. And I was at uni there. What What did you make of it? Oh, it's a long time ago now. It's about <laughs> 70 years since I was at university. Um, I probably always saw it in a state of half-cutness, so I don't know that I remember it particularly. Yeah. I just remember it being there. Yeah. It's, I, it, well, of the statues there are, I think I prefer the, the other ones, right. is what I'm going to say. <laughs> And it might be because somebody said that actually, I, I couldn't find any close-up pictures of it, but it, it might be that it was made of fairly soft stone, so it hasn't, it, it's weathered, weathered a, yeah. a bit. So it, it looks a bit, a little bit sort of um, clunky okay. in a way. And and she's standing on quite a tall pedestal and standing quite upright and it's quite... <laughs> Whereas there are two statues by the same um, sculptor, Stephen Melton, um, okay. which there's one in Herne Hill near where her plane crashed and another one in Hull near where she lived. Um, and they are um, a bronze statue of her kind of walking along and looking at the sky. And it's a much more naturalistic. You can you can kind of see how statuary has changed in the last, you know, 40 years or whatever. Um, so these were put up in 2016, which was both the 75th, them. both of them. Yeah. 75th anniversary and the one in Hearn Hill is kind of looking out to sea at Hearn Hearn Bay looking out to sea and both of them have text on them so she's got some text on her arm which is slightly weird I have to say it looks like a very elaborate tattoo (laughs) (laughs) maybe she had that we don't know Maybe, maybe so what it says on her arm is we women are just now on the threshold of another career which has so far been regarded as the strict province of man, that of aeronautical engineering. And is that one of her quotes? I'm assuming that's a quote. Then March 1937. So... Yes. 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 Um, 
And then on the seam of her jacket, and I couldn't find a photo of this, so I don't know where exactly this is, but it also says, which I'm taking as another quote from the year before, progress means always trying to go one better, to get more out of something by trial and error, <clears throat> um, by trial and error, by crying for the moon, by hitching one's wagon to a star, by never saying die, so the world progresses. Ooh. Which is rather nice. I think. I love that as a quote. Um, and the one, so the one in Herne Bay is also dedicated, to, uh, is, is a monument to women um, of aviation and engineering and all those who served in the Air Transport Auxiliary. So it's not just her, it's, it's broadened out of it. Um, there is also nearby, um, Oh, actually, before I say this, she's also got quite a lot of roads named after her and some <laughs> um, airplane restoration centres and an engineering department. And so she's, you know, um, and the restaurants at a hotel, which uh, a big chain of hotels, which has one at Gatwick and one at Heathrow, Amy's Restaurant and Bar. So okay, yeah. I, I mean, I'm always slightly underwhelmed by the restaurant tribute. Yeah. I mean, I always say to people, you're never really famous in the UK unless you've had a pub named after you. Um, so I mean, a restaurant, I guess, is okay. Restaurant. The, the the one that springs to mind as well is the um uh the Russell Hotel, was it that used to have the Virginia Wolf Bar and Grill? Brilliant. It's something about the bar and grill combo that, that you just like. <laughs> Did she um, really? Did Virginia Woolf? Did she like a big good bar and grill? Yeah. Well, you know, she used to go anyway. to the Harvester quite a lot. I mean, who yeah, knows? yeah. So, so um, there is also in in Hunbay there is a bench nearby, and I think this is I couldn't quite be absolutely sure about this, but I think they had a project where they got six artists to create benches relating to different things and different people. So her one was created by a lady called Jane Priston. And it is a, a biplane bench. Ooh. So rather delightfully, the bench and the sort of top of the table make the wings and then it's got a propeller Fantastic. on the front. And then next to that, there is a big information board about Amy Johnson and stuff. So there's more information there than there is by the statue, which is a little bit of a, a walk away. Um, and um, some someone had kind of reviewed it uh online and said the, the bench is a bit of fun furniture on the promenade and children will love being photographed in it the two wings serve as a bench and table so you could even picnic here <laughs> yep that's yep, the point that's, that's kind of the point um but somebody else made a much better comment which i'll come back to in a moment um and we'll try and put photos of these up on the, the show notes. So um, yes. if you go into the, the, the description of the podcast, there'll be a link to the show notes. Um, go and have a little look at, at, at all of these. Yeah. And I'll try and put some uh, a couple of the clips of her as well on, on there too. So if you want to go and have a look. Yes. Yeah. And um, it's, it's uh, yeah, listen, listen to, I mean, there's, there's quite lots of bits on YouTube that are images of her as a slideshow over mm. her talking, because I don't think that there might not be much video there's sort of like showreel like news pathy news Pathé, type yeah. sort of stuff as well and things a bit but absolutely go and have a, a look and a listen um she did um one there was a letter she wrote to a friend quite near the end of her life where she said i hope the gods will watch over you this year and i wish you the best of luck brackets 
the only useful thing not yet taxed. Exclamation <laughs> <mark>. <laughs> I love it. Which I love as well because you get a quite a different sense of her from that. Yeah. Um, and all those recording things, they're all well and good, but they are all like she's on public show, she's she's talking properly, whereas that's a little glimpse into a kind of you yeah. know, normal life and things. Um, and it uh, the the memorial the the mural at Cricklewood, which was what kind of prompted me to start thinking about her, was put up um, was was a by an artist called Lackwenna, and it's part of a collaboration between City Hall and the Tate, marking a hundred years since women got the vote. So presumably went up in. Five years ago now, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, that would be five years, 2018, five yeah. years, yeah. Um, and it, it, the project is called LDN WMN, which I think is kind of London women. London women. London women. 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 With no vowels. Yeah. Um, so it's artists <laughs> by women. overrated. <laughs> artists by, artworks by women and non-binary artists. Right. Um, and I haven't come across them I don't think I've come across any others, but yeah. what what it made me think it kind of comes for. I mean, we talked, you've talked certainly. I think I've I've talked as well on the pod about the lack of statues of women, mm. and absolutely, you know, this triggered me. I saw it, and it triggered me to start thinking about it. Now it is it's on the platform, it's on the side of the platform, but it's kind of very much at one end. And I I've used that railway station quite a few times recently, and it was the first time I'd spotted. I I'd not seen it quite a lot of times. So if I was on the other platform looking across at it, maybe it's more visible from there. Mm. Um, but I was a bit like, well, it's here and it's fabulous and I'm glad it's here. And this proves that, you know, we need the statues and the things. At the same time, I could easily have missed it. Yeah, like, <laughs> I, I did. Oh, I did, did several times miss it and things. Um, but I think the last, uh, last word should go to somebody else who was talking about the bench and... Uh, she said it is a delightful, quirky bench. You can sit at it and bring to mind Amy's words, believe nothing to be impossible. Aww. And I thought, well, that's that's a quote that we should all remember more and live up to. Absolutely. Oh, Fiona, thank you so much. <laughs> What a great <laughs> chat about Amy. I, yeah, I, I, I definitely, I covered her on Global Tea Break many, many moons ago, but um, it's lovely to revisit her and she's... Yeah, another of these just amazing enterprising women who we we're so used to being able to do whatever we want now for well within mostly not entirely. Um and when when it comes to women in history they just the fact that they it it was it was it was so unusual for a woman to just be like, "Well, I'm just going to go and do this." It's yeah. 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 And 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 also that thing of like, you know, flying we kind of take it for granted yeah. nowadays. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's a thing that everyone, we could all do. It's so cheap. It's, I mean, whether that's right or wrong is another debate. But, um, you know, the, the, the notion that she got her license and in less than a year, like nine months later, flew the longest journey. Oh. Like, I mean, just astonishing. Again, bravado. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we may never know the the secrets around surrounding her death and if you know this this extra body and all that sort of stuff is 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 quite a conundrum and and chances are you know she may well have been flying a secret mission that we'll never know anything about um 
Well, no. somebody must have known about it. Somebody must have. And there must be something in a file somewhere. But maybe, somewhere. you know, it's still under the official secret. But, I mean, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, very interesting and, and does bring loads of questions to mind. It would be yeah, all these sort of secrets and, and, and things. It would be great to have them answered at some point. But, um, yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. Fabulous. It's I, and it's always it's always a delight to kind of have a have a reason to dig dig a little more yeah, into things that you sort of half know already so yeah. Yeah. and listeners if you have any links to amy johnson or you you see any of the memorials please mm. you know send us an email send us a message we love hearing about you um about what you've been up to and and hearing from you all so so please if you you know if anyone's got pictures of you yourself having a picnic on the bench yes top marks for that that's what we want to see head down to hern bay have a picnic give it a nice little review i'm gonna um, i i do um my various family connections down that way so um next time we go i think a little outing might be in order absolutely absolutely yeah yay fantastic <laughs> thank you so much no right well that is it for this week um we have it, it does seem like in terms of coronation specials that uh generally the consensus is for that people want a bit of a what's you know what's going to be happening throughout the ceremony and all the stuff that you know the, the the people who are doing the voiceovers who might not know about these things, she says with her nerd hat on, um, that we're going to sort of do that and, and demystify a bit of the coronation ceremony. Um, it does seem that that's the way people want to go rather than the complete random bits and pieces, which I think is quite a, quite a logical one. Uh, so that'll be in two weeks' time. Uh, there is a mm-hmm. poll currently up on Instagram stories. If you want to go and uh, have your feelings known on that, then pop on today. Um, went up this morning, Wednesday at about 8 30 so go and uh, go and let us know but i think that's that's the way it seems to be going so i think that's what we'll do um it's exciting isn't it all this coming up mm. yeah uh, might have to get yeah. my dad back on to because he'll be doing the coronation again so we might have to get him back on to oh okay some, yeah yeah, yeah. Secrets. I, mean, I can't imagine it'll be different from last time but um he's going to be away for an entire week doing practices and things so um Ooh. i know um, um exciting where with um, my, one of my parents' neighbours just across the road has got her invitation. <gasps> Ooh, and how uh, come? She's, um, oh, now what is she? She's a member of the Muslim Council of Great Britain, I think. Okay. So she's she's one of the faith uh, leaders. sort of leaders stroke. Oh, wow. Yeah. So she's, so she's going to walk in as part of a, you know, she's not just sitting in the crowd. She's walking in as, as part of it. So she, again, she's ah. got, got a practice event that, and things to go amazing have you have you eyeballed the invitation no no not okay. personally i'm 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 in i'm working out how do we encourage her to <laughs> it's probably behind like behind glass now it's like yes. don't touch it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how exciting um yeah i mean no matter what it doesn't matter what you think really about the you know monarchy and this that and the other i i have mixed feelings about things like that but you know it's it's exciting to have a big kind of national and, event like this isn't it and yeah and i think that's what always happens like even like the you know the the platinum jubilee last year we were all like mm-hmm. yeah it's a jubilee yeah it's another jubilee yeah you know and then you get to about two weeks before and sometimes like during that the run-up clients will be saying to me oh what are you doing for the jubilee and i was like well, I don't know. <laughs> you know um and then you get near the day you're like what I know. Yeah. And also for us as guys, you know, we talk about we talk about coronations in the abstract for, you know, as long as we've been guiding. We, we do Tower of London, we do Westminster Abbey, we talk about the Crown Jewels, Coronation Chair. We talk about, 
you know, the last coronation in 1952 and what happened and how it worked and what people were like and the street parties and all of that stuff. So for us, yeah. whether or not, you know, because I know some guides are very anti the monarchy, some are very pro. Um, it's it's a really... It's sort of vindication of what we've been talking about for all these yeah, years. Yeah, of. absolutely. <laughs> it's really cool because it's... We're going we're gonna to get to see it firsthand. It's and, stuff. Uh, yeah. It's stuff, yeah. Which is lovely. Anyway... So that'll be in two weeks, gang. Um, but please do drop us a drop us a line, drop us um, you know pictures, whatever. If you've, I love it when people message us about things that they've been to see from previous podcasts. Um, do let us know. And um, also news from Emily: there's no baby yet. Uh, she's due oh. next week, but I will keep you up to date as soon as there is a, a little Emily Emily look, a little sproglet. I will let you know. Um, but I checked in with her the other day, and I think she's ready to pop. So. Uh, <laughs> Keep in your thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> but for me and Fiona, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for popping along. We will see you next week for more uh, fun and giggles. Fun. Yay. Right. <laughs> Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.